Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about why your resume alone isn't good enough to land you that dream job. Today, I brought on Leslie Gar, and if you're at the point in your job search where you're asking, why am I not getting any interviews, even after you've made this darn good resume, then take a seat back and listen to this episode. We've got all kinds of techniques and strategies lined up in this episode. Leslie is a master resume writer and career transition coach who helps values-driven professionals shift out of soul-sucking jobs and into meaningful work that aligns with their principles. She works with top performers and high, high achievers who are truly dedicated to improving people and operations around them. Her goal is to empower job seekers with the clarity and confidence they need to skyrocket their job search and boldly step into the next chapter of their careers. So as you can see, super stoked for this episode, and I always geek out a little bit when I have another resume writer on this podcast, so this one's going to be extra special. So without further ado, let's launch right into it. This is episode 228 of the Career Warrior Podcast. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Like I said, it's not every day where you have someone who's also within the realm of resume writing. It's not like I don't like to bring other people who are a part of it. It's just we don't have this opportunity. But I wanted to get a sense from you. You know, when clients typically are coming to you, what is the main thing they're looking to fix? What's the main thing that they're struggling with? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's actually something that I got to geek out a little bit on with two other resume writers yesterday. I was doing my LinkedIn Live with my co-host, Nia Tu, Bincy Inchel, and we had Tegan Bartos on as our guest. They are both resume writers. I am a resume writer, and we started talking about pretty much this exact subject. So I think for me, because I am a career change coach, a lot of times people come to me because they are in some sort of a transition or they know they want a career change or they think they might want a career change. They come to me seeking clarity in that. And then other clients, if they're not looking for a career change, they're looking for someone who can help them communicate yeah. the skills that they have. It's hard for a lot of people. <laughs> yes. And that goes for the career changers too. So what it really boils down to career change or not is people come to me because they know they need help communicating the skills that they know they have, but can't seem to get other people to see or can't seem to figure out how to communicate yes. and demonstrate effectively in their job search. Yes. And that's the really the art and sometimes the science of resume writing. That's why people pay a lot of money to get their resumes done is because they have a hard time communicating. They know they're awesome. They know they've had this incredible career, you know, with 10, 15, 20 years sometimes of accomplishments under their belt. But how do I communicate that I'm going to make this career change or this pivot and I have the skill set required for that job I'm applying for? But with this episode, I thought it's almost weird in a way because we have two resume writers, which are bread and butter really is helping people with their resumes. But we're going to be telling people today that it's not your resume alone that is going to be the golden ticket to getting that job. So I want to hear your insight about that. Why, you know, resumes being as important as important as they are, why is it not enough? 
Yeah, absolutely. And resumes really are important. And I know that they get a lot of flack from some people just kind of depending on what their take is on the job search mm-hmm. process. But the truth is, even though today we're going to be talking about a lot of different strategies that kind of combine to make a good job search, a successful job search, each one of them is important. So the resume is important and all the other pieces we're going to talk about today are important as well. Without the foundation of having a good resume, all of the work that we talk about today will be for naught if you can't hand something over to somebody that explains, you know, what you can do. But the truth is because of just the fact of how many people are in the world and how many people are in a job search or applying for any given job, it's really important to you know, as they say, not put all of your eggs in one basket. So if you just have a great resume and all you're doing is relying on that resume to get you noticed, it might work in certain instances, but it's certainly not going to be as effective as a comprehensive strategy. So you need to add other strategies to just, you know, blasting out applications online. Yeah, that is music to my ears and such a (laughs) reinforcer, you know, have being in this industry for some time and you know, I remember in the beginning when I would write these resumes for clients and it was such a realization to be like, OK, I'm giving you this resume, but your number one strategy can't be to go on these online portals and just submit it over and over to, you know, that's eventually going to be fed through these applicant tracking systems. I'm not saying not to do that, but it's just not a winning strategy. You know, we're really people who are in the business of helping people to get interviews and eventually get jobs. And we have to be truthful with people to tell them that, hey, this resume is going to eventually hopefully get your foot in the door, but it's not the only thing. Yep. So awesome. I want to talk a little bit about those strategies right now. If I'm not putting all of my eggs in the resume basket, what other baskets should I put my efforts into? Honestly, networking. And I feel like that piece of advice has been around for my whole lifetime, decades, you know, at least. But I think that there is a lot to networking that people don't understand. And there are a lot of different components and facets to networking that honestly don't get explained very well. People in our position, career experts, resume writers, what have you, just say, get out there and network. And I think up until recently, you know, the last several years, I think that's about as much info as you would get. And especially before the internet started to be as much a part of networking and job search as it is. It was basically like, go out there and network, go to, you know, a networking happy hour and, you know, pass your business card out to 50 people and pick up 50 new business cards. And as much as that feels like sort of a step-by-step instruction, it's really not because you're not learning what to say or how to approach it or so I love that in the last few years there's been a lot more information out there that says this is what it means to develop a strong network this is what it means this is how you go about strategically choosing people to network with and then strategically communicating in a way that makes them want to build relationship back with you and potentially, you know, help you in some way, either now or in the future. So networking is the thing that people should be doing. There are just a lot of pieces of it that kind of come together little by little until you get comfortable with it. 
Yes. And I think about networking is, it's almost like this, the vessel, right, of how your resume gets in the right hands, really. It's the how of, okay, I have this awesome resume and it showcases all my accomplishments and says that I'm this bang up HR manager. But if, you know, like I said, submitting online to these applicant tracking systems is the only way then it's not going to be as effective as if I were able to build an effective or really strong networking strategy to get my resume in those hands that need to be be looking at my resume. Let's hear about some of these strategies about how to network. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is really something that is occurring to me, you know, you and I had a conversation sort of leading up to this podcast conversation where we sort of dipped our toes in a little bit to into this. And this is a concept, an idea that's really just sort of developing in my own head over the last couple of years, working with clients and really helping them develop networking strategies. But the way that it's really coming together for me is that there are three basic like circles of people that you can network with. Your approach will vary a little bit sort of based on who those circles of people are or who you're really talking to and where they currently exist in your network. And it's really neat because while some people may be always stationary in one of those circles, it's also possible for people to kind of move within those circles, depending on how you develop your relationship with them, how they respond to that. So I think by categorizing it and understanding the circles of people and then how you would go about networking with those people, that's a really strong way to solidify the concept for the job seeker and also to just help you continuously keep your networking strategy going instead of feeling like, okay, I did this phase, I did this phase, I did this phase, and now I'm done, you know? <laughs> right. Um, I think it's, it's important continual. To... It's got to keep going, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I loved that. And even before we, you know, started recording this episode, we had this whole talk about those three facets of networking. I love the way you categorize those. So Tell me about the first one, or I don't know if there's any specific order to them, but what is strategy or facet number one? Sure, sure. So I think there's a loose order, at least when you're first getting started. And then as we just said, it becomes continual and you're sort of visiting these different circles at different times. But I think the first circle to consider is people you know, people who are close to you or within your your sphere of influence who are either family and friends, their colleagues that you've worked with that you had a good relationship with, even if it wasn't outside of work, or people that you have developed relationships with online, you know, through one thing or another, whether it's a group or, or what have you. It's people that you know more than just in passing. And I often talk about this group of people when I talk about the difference between short-term networking strategies and long-term networking strategies, because I feel like this circle of people, these people that you know, your friends and family and colleagues, they're going to be most likely to want to help you, especially if you approach them in the right way so that you're respectful first, you ask about them when you first reach out, and then you move into, hey, I'm in this job search, and you know, here's what I'm looking for. So that first circle of people 
even though you're going to continue working and maintaining and building those relationships over the long term, if you're in a job search, you find yourself in a job search, you know you haven't done the type of network building that you need to, this is a great place to focus your efforts to start because it's the highest likelihood that you'll gain traction or have people on your side and supporting you and trying to help you in your job search. It's so funny you say that because when I think of the word networking or in the past when I thought about the word networking, it always was that traditional, okay, I'm going to put on that suit and have my Chris Villanueva name tag and just, you know, shake hands at a random event. But I never thought about it as who were the family, friends, and past colleagues who can help me. And I've never thought about it like that, but like, these are the people who know you the best out of that person you're just going to shake hands with really quickly or have a quick drink. So why not expand our minds a little bit and say, hey, these are actual people who can move us in the right direction. It's like, I can't even figure out why I'm always passing and forgetting about these people in my job search. Yep. And you are not alone. I think I definitely had that mindset and a lot of people do. Networking, I think has, I don't want to say a stigma because that's a super negative word, but it has a little bit of a negative connotation sometimes because it feels very hollow or sterile or, you know, you're reaching out to strangers basically. And that is not all that networking is. And honestly, when you use it as an ongoing strategy, that's very little of what networking is. Once you get past that initial sort of hump of having to reach out to some strangers just to get to know some people. So I think the family and friend circle is a really important thing to think about. And as I was saying in the beginning, there's a little bit of a different strategy in approaching those people as opposed to some other people that we're going to talk about. Okay. And I was going to say, like, wouldn't that require some level of humility just to go up to your brother or like an old friend and say, hey, I'm in my job search right now and I need help or something like that? Or is that what you would advocate for? I mean, definitely humility. I'm a big proponent of humility and gratefulness. Anytime Mm -hmm. you approach someone, go into it with the humility of not expecting them to help you. And also a very grateful attitude of it would mean a lot to me if you helped me. And then if they do help you really, truly being grateful for that. But I don't necessarily think that sort of downtrodden attitude has to be the way that you approach it. So I think even if you are struggling in your job search, even if it is like, man, I don't know what else to do. So I guess (laughs) I'm going to try this. I think that you can, as a resume writer and career coach, I talk a lot about controlling your narrative. And that's actually something that Nia too and Tegan and I all talked about yesterday. It was really, really cool that we're all sort of on that page, but you can control your narrative. So instead of saying, you know, hey, you know, cousin or whatever, I'm struggling right now. I really need your help. You would reach out and kind of, as I mentioned before, you want your first initial communication to be something about them, letting them know that you care, asking about them, and then letting them know what you're up to and make it just kind of conversational and like it's an update on life and then say, I'm actually in a job search right now. I don't know if you remember, I was working at such and such company or, you know, I'm I'm in a career change right now. I used to work in this industry. And so you're just telling them like, hey, here's what I am doing right now. And if you happen to hear about 
you know, a job opening, or if you happen to know anyone who's working in such and such company that I have my sights set on, I would really appreciate it if you could introduce me. Little things like that and framing your requests in a way that is both positive and also puts them in a position to like help. People love to be helpful. They love to feel helpful. Oh, yeah. So if you can frame it that way, I feel like that has a lot better success rate than, you know, kind of coming at it like, hey, um, I'm in a bad spot. I could use your help. Because honestly, who knows what they might think if you frame it that way. They might be like, oh, God, are they going to ask me for money? Like, you know, (laughs) so you want to keep things sort of positive and just, you know, totally let them know that you care about them and that they're an important part of your life and that you would really be grateful if they know of anything. But also, if not, totally cool. Hope you're doing well. Miss you. Whatever. That's great. Um, So I think that's yeah, that's awesome. It's a that's probably the most actually we've ever talked about that on this podcast is like the power of, you know, friends and people who are actually within your inner circle. So I think that's awesome. I think I would definitely help somebody who, if they were a friend of mine who reached out, I would help them. So the other two facets, how do they differ from your close inner circle of family and friends? Yeah. So that second circle, and again, it makes sense to put them in an order for the beginning of your networking journey. So that second circle is going to be probably closest to the types of people that you might have interacted with at an in-person, you know, happy hour for networking or something. These are going to be people that you know are either in your industry or career area that you want to be in, or perhaps somewhere along the line related to a company that you want to work at. They're going to be people that you probably don't know, or if you are connected with them already, it's very loose and you don't have much actual connection or communication with them. They're going to be people that you don't know, but that you are not looking for an immediate return from. And I think that is the important piece that a lot of people miss when they're trying to network with strangers, because it is, it's super awkward. It's weird to like, I have no idea what to do. If you go into your relationship building and networking with this circle of people, if you go into it with the mindset of, I really just want to meet new people who I can learn from, who I can potentially also give back a little bit of knowledge that I have, that I can broaden my circle with people that ultimately make me a better person or a better professional. That is the approach with this circle of people that you don't know, but who are in some way affiliated with a career area or a place you want to be in your career. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I've always found that the best way not to come across as needy or I I have to have this job is playing a little bit more of a long-term game or at least saying Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm not going to expect something in return the next day. I'm not going into this networking opportunity thinking that, you know, an interview or it wasn't worth the connection making. So a really good point you just highlighted, Leslie. But how do I meet these people? What is the way that I get in touch and really start to tap into that second circle? Yeah, absolutely. So because LinkedIn is so easily approachable, other social media too, but when you're talking about your career, LinkedIn is kind of the main one. It makes it a lot easier than it's ever been before. And what I will tell you is that if you take the time to put some effort into researching in the beginning, 
then it's going to make everything else a lot easier. So when you're first starting to network and you know you want to sort of start branching out, meeting some people that you really don't know, but who might potentially, you know, be a great relationship build for you, there's a few ways that you can find those. Number one, you can go to the people that you're already connected with on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Find some of your favorite people who you trust, who you know have good judge of character, and go through their connections and see if there's anybody similar that's, you know, in your area or working at a company that that you're interested in. So that's one sort of simple way to get started. Depending on what industry or career area you're in, you may also have luck basically doing a Google search for good people to follow on LinkedIn for X industry. I definitely have done that for myself or for clients before. You know, not every industry Mm -hmm. that's going to work for. There are definitely more influencers in some areas than others. And, you know, you're not necessarily looking for influencers per se, although if maybe you're in fashion or something, you would be. So it really just depends on what career area or industry you're in and how much you can find out there on your own. But essentially what you're looking for is people who are somehow associated with a career place that you want to be and also hopefully active on the platform. Because if you connect with or follow someone who isn't super active, that's going to be a much more difficult relationship to build. I'm trying to think like, where do these people actually hang out? Like if that was going to be, yeah, that was going to be my next one was to point people to groups or organization pages. So if, for instance, you're in HR, you might want to see if there are any SHRM groups, um, SHRM groups out there. If you are in, you know, project management, you might want to look into LinkedIn groups for project management. Also, this is just a little sort of trick with the way that you can use the search function on LinkedIn. So you have the search bar and you can type in, you know, project manager, for instance, if you're looking for to connect with people who are project managers, you can actually filter your search by clicking people, and then you'll find people that have the title project manager in their profile. So you don't have to just search for groups or jobs that are affiliated with project manager, you can also find people people that have project managers somewhere in their profile. So there's a lot of different ways to kind of look. You just have to, you have to know, and then you have to spend the time to do it, which a lot of people don't want to do. But I promise once you lay that groundwork, it just becomes easier and easier and easier. And it saves you time, right? It's going to save you the time and the agony of having this really long, inefficient job search because you're just doing it the hard way versus putting in that research in the beginning and reminding yourself like, okay, it's going to pay off eventually. It's going to pay off because I'm having a much more targeted approach. Yep, exactly. So I think about these first two circles, these first two facets. And for me, I'm like, oh, that's it. That's all there is to networking. (laughs) Or expand my mind here. Is there a third one? What is this third circle here that you speak of? Yeah, there absolutely is a third circle. And that would be people that probably you don't know, but that you are potentially looking for a more immediate return on. So this would be somebody who works in recruitment or HR at the company that you know you want to apply to soon or that you, you know, you just applied to or something like that. It would be someone that would have a much more direct ability to provide a shorter term or immediate 
return for you, whether that means, hey, there's this CEO that I really want to get to know. And here's this person who knows this person who knows that CEO. Let me see if I can work my way up through, you know, that chain of command. So it's people that you would be looking for a more immediate return from. And honestly, I would say that that is probably the smallest group and it's going to be the one that changes the most you know people are going to move in and out of that group for you really quickly just depending on what's going on in your job search or what have you and i think the important distinction of course between two and three is whether or not you're looking for that immediate return and i think that really has to dictate your approach especially in terms of that group number two and that was something that we didn't quite touch on but basically with that group number two the first one two even three four times that you reach out to them there should be no ask at all it shouldn't even be asking them a question because busy people don't often have the energy just to even answer your one question, you know? And so you want to show them respect. You want to bring them value. You want to say things to them like, oh, I loved that post you had today. It really made me think, thank you so much. I needed that. I appreciate everything you do. Have a great day. And that's it. And then you work your way up into a better relationship with them and then it starts to become potentially there's something that you can ask of them Um, when it comes to this third group i think it's just important to realize that even though there is kind of a more immediate return that you're looking for you want to be very respectful still you want to be very grateful still very humble still and try to think of them and their needs as much as possible even in your own ask okay and so the people within the third circle are they typically people found through job postings or career focused events and things like that I would say, yeah, those are two really strong places for those people to come from. Also, your own research, you know, you can do that if you're really heavy into your job search and you're putting a lot of focus on making sure that you're applying to the right jobs for you and not just sort of blasting out. And then that gives you more time because you're applying to fewer positions. It gives you more time to dedicate to finding out who might be in an influential place or in a place to be able to help you towards that particular job or company. Awesome. Makes a lot of sense. I really liked everything we spoke about because it really helps you to conceptualize what I need to do when it comes to networking. It's not all about putting my, you know, all of my efforts into that third circle, which is really important, right? It could be a direct way to get people these jobs, but expanding your mind to know that networking doesn't just mean getting that immediate return. It's also about building and utilizing those connections that you are going to make through the long term. So I think that's excellent. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note sort of on that topic, especially with that sort of group two people, Mm -hmm. they can move between the circles more often than I think from group one or group three. So group two, even though they start out as strangers, they may, through your relationship development with them, become somebody who is really immediately able to make a decision about a job or help you get into a job or they may become someone who's really a good friend who you have you know well you have good (laughs) conversations with you guys help each other out you know it's really interesting to see the way that your efforts in networking can develop relationships and help just to 
you know, snowball everything that you're doing into a higher success rate in your job search. That is fabulous. And since I have you with a few minutes that we have here left, I wanted to ask you lightning round, just a few quick questions about your beliefs about resumes, which how could we not? I think this would be exciting, <laughs> yeah. but quickly, number one, applicant tracking systems. What is your technique with dealing with the ATS? I think that applicant tracking systems are an important thing to understand and to take into consideration. But I also think because so much fear mongering has happened around applicant tracking systems that many job seekers I work with think that that's the sole focus and it's really not. So when it comes to applicant tracking systems, ATS, basically what you're wanting is to have a high enough match between the keywords you have in your your resume and the keywords that are present and being requested in the job description. And I think that a lot of job seekers will get too focused on the keywords and try to just pump as many keywords as they possibly can into a resume to the point where the sentences aren't really cohesive, the resume is way too long, what have you. So I, when okay. I work with a resume, what I really think is important to do is yes, to study the types of jobs that this resume is supposed to target and to do some data analysis to understand those keywords. But then instead of just trying to cram them all into the resume, figure out which ones are most aligned with your own highest skills, with your own professional brand. And those are the ones that you should focus on. And typically the way I put the resume together and what I have found the best success with is to start with a profile or a summary that really emphasizes those keywords and the ones that you want to use to represent yeah. you. And then the rest of the resume should be written to support those ideas that you put forth in the summary. So Wonderful. we're definitely focusing on keywords. They're important, but they are not the end all be all. They're not even the main focus. Wonderful. Great succinct answer. Here I have number two. How long should your resume be? I know you touched upon it a little bit with your last <laughs> answer with like, oh, resume is too long, but how long should my resume be? So the truth is there's no hard and fast rule. Typically, the, for a best practice, most professionals should not have a resume any longer than two full pages. With that said, if you have less experience, for instance, if you're, you know, entry level or a new grad, or if you have less relevant experience, so maybe you have 15 years, but you're making a whole huge career change and none of that is relevant or very little of it is relevant, then perhaps one page is enough. And if you are super high level or really have an impressive, extensive background that takes some explaining, then three pages might be okay as well. But anybody out there who's listening thinking, oh, well, okay, three pages is probably good for me. You're probably wrong. <laughs> and I only say that <laughs> I agree based on working yeah. with people. There have been board, you know, members and high level executives who have needed a third page. Almost everyone, two is plenty. And then there yes. are some people where one is is plenty. And it's really just about exactly as much as it takes to explain your worth and your value, no more, no less. <laughs> so awesome. it's I love hard it. to find yeah. that fit, but that's pretty much the answer. Great. Okay. So for our third and final question in our lightning round, let's see if I can phrase this correctly. I think I got it. So if you can have everyone in the world fix this one thing about their resume, this one thing, what would that be? Just one. I would say if it were just going to be one thing, I would say 
make sure you start with a profile or summary section that provides mm. so much value. And there are several other common resume mistakes that I would love yeah. to rattle off right now. So, but I would say that when you just start your resume with education, professional experience, that doesn't tell anybody who you are or give them any reason to care about reading those things. So agree with that. Yes. Yeah. In a time when people's attention spans are so incredibly short, it's important to catch their attention with some sort of engaging summary of why they should care to read more. A, a summary of your value that makes them want to read more and figure out, you know, why that value is and where it came from. I love that. Your answers are fabulous and we're pretty much aligned with everything that you've said in the last three answers and i love asking these questions because you've explained them in a way that i couldn't have and so that i think that's why it's good to have like these different perspectives but i wholeheartedly agree with everything you've said and even you know like if i agree if everyone had a summary and they focused and made it not this generic summary and it was like this is why i'm the right person for the role why specifically me not i copied and pasted from a generic resume template and made it my own but just getting very specific i think everyone would have a much more successful job search so that's awesome yep i totally agree <laughs> leslie you've been a fantastic guest here i want to hear if you have any final words for career warriors listening to this podcast today my ultimate message to job seekers right now is that you have more power than you think you do. And the way that you realize that power and yield that power is by taking control of your career narrative, really sitting down and targeting or understanding what you want your career target to be, the types of jobs that you want to target, and then exactly why you are right for that role and the pieces of your career that have led you to have those skills and experience to be right for that role. And if you can do that and you can figure out how to communicate that in the language that makes the most sense to your target audience, that's where your power comes from. And so many job seekers think that they don't have power. And especially now that we're coming into a job seekers market, you definitely have power. So Absolutely. figure out what it is and figure out how to use it. Absolutely. That's why you and I both advocate for the job seeker. And I can tell that you're in it, your heart is in it. And that makes me so happy. So Leslie Gar, thank you so much for joining us on the show. How can people get in touch with you and find out more about what you're up to? Yeah, so I am pretty darn active on LinkedIn. You can just find me. It's Resume Leslie on LinkedIn. So linkedin.com slash in slash Resume Leslie. Other than that, ResumeLeslie.com is the best place to find me. And if you want to get weekly updates from me, you can go to ResumeLeslie.com slash club. That will get you into my Career Courage Club, where you'll get weekly emails from me about job search advice, networking, interviewing, all that good stuff. Awesome. That sounds great. What a great name, Career Courage Club. I wish I came up with that earlier, but that <laughs> well, is that's so good. <laughs> awesome. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for joining us on the Career Warrior Podcast. You were excellent. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, thanks. You too, Chris. I really enjoyed it. Perfect. All right, listeners, this wraps up episode 228 of the Career Warrior Podcast. Really enjoyed this one and breaking down what networking actually means within your job search. I think a lot of us need to expand and open up our minds about that word and realizing it's not really that much of a bad word per se. It's just something that we need to explore and use to our advantage because it is the way to get your resume in the right hands. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll make sure to drop the URLs within the show notes of this podcast itself. Make sure to check that out when you were not jogging or driving. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll see you next week. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify, but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning.